That's right. That's right. We woke in this place for Jesus. So if you're sleepy, wake up, because I'm going to be preaching, so don't fall asleep. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Elevate. 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 Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. Praise God. All right, so uh, let's uh, open up with a word of prayer. If we can all bow our heads and close our eyes in this place. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for the honor and privilege, Lord God, of being here today, Lord, being in your presence, Lord. God, we just ask you that you'd come, God, and visit us even now with your fire, Lord. We just invite your presence to fill this room, Lord God. We thank you that you hear our prayers, God. When we ask you to come, God, you come, Lord. When, you ask, when we ask you to touch us, Lord God, you touch us. When, you ask, when we ask you to, to heal us, Lord God, you heal us. When, you ask, when we ask you, God, to bring restoration, God, to bring deliverance, God, whatever we need, we know we can approach you, Lord, and receive grace and help, Lord God. So right now we approach your throne, God, and we focus our attention on you, Lord God, and we ask you that you would have your way, God, from beginning to end, Lord God. I pray that you would arrest hearts tonight, Lord God. Even now as we speak, Holy Spirit, come. We need you in this place, Lord God. Have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you could say Shabbat too. Amen. That, that too. All right, all right. So if we can all turn to our Bibles and go to Philippians. Everybody say Philippians. Philippians. Woo. Hashtag woke. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I'll say it one more time, one more time. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and read it out here. The first verse, chapter 10. It says, I want to know who? Christ. Y'all are supposed to be woke. Come on. I want to know Christ. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. Uh, the Philippians there, that was their city city of Philippi. So if you were a citizen of Philippi, you were a Philippian. And so here Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, not the Philippines. I'm Filipino, but the, Philipp the Philippians. And so here we see Paul kind of, uh, well, this is a little bit further on in the, in the book here, chapter three. Paul's writing this to the church in Philippi, the Philippian church. He's saying, I want to know Christ. That's a good thing to want. That's a good goal to have. That's a good thing to desire. I want to know Christ. Amen. I don't want to know Satan. I don't want to know 666, witchcraft, Illuminati stuff. I want to know Christ. How many of you guys want Christ in your lives? Amen. I want to know Christ. This is Paul speaking. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Paul is saying his desire, his goal in life, what he is passionate about is knowing Christ. Knowing a person. God is not just a figment of our imagination. He's not a fictional character. He is real. He is in heaven right now. He's a fully, fully God, fully man. And Paul is saying, I want to know this man, Jesus. I want to know him. Now, this wasn't just some random person off the street who never heard anything about church or the Bible. Paul was an apostle. Paul was a pastor. He was overseeing churches. He was involved in the ministry. He'd been serving God many years up to this point. Yet after all these years, he still says, and the heart cry and desire of his heart is still, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. 
I've been saved for X amount of years. I know I'm a pastor. I know I'm an apostle. I've written letters to churches, and I oversee this ministry and that ministry. But my heart's desire, at the end of the day, what I still desire and want, what I'm longing for, what I'm thinking about, what my mind is attentive to, is knowing this man called Jesus Christ. Now, see, what's interesting is when Paul was writing to the church in, Phili- uh, to the church in Philippians, to the church in Philippi, when he was writing to the Philippians, when he was writing to those people, Paul wasn't in a, he wasn't in a vacation spot. He wasn't in Florida, Orlando Beach. He wasn't in a pool, jacuzzi, just kind of chilling, saying, hey, guys, you know, I want to know Christ, man. He's a really cool dude, whatever. See, Paul was actually in prison while he was writing this. Paul was in prison. He was under arrest, and he, uh, according to scholars, it was, he, was, he was facing death at this point. He only had like two years left to live. Um, if, if you look at the time now when this was written and then the time when he was executed, Paul was executed for his faith. He was a Christian. He, he became a martyr, right? They killed him for being a Christian. Um, but as Paul is writing this letter, he is in prison, right? He's not having fun. He's not on vacation. This man ain't turning up, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. He's in prison, and it's not fun, and he's facing death, and he doesn't, know the, he, he doesn't know where his life might end up the next day, the next week, the next month. He doesn't know how much time he has, right? So there's a lot of circumstances that aren't really exciting, that aren't really happy and gleeful. You know, again, him being in prison, who knows the conditions of those Roman prisons at that day. He probably didn't have a lot of food, a lot of water. He was probably under a lot of uh, watch by these Roman guards. He, he probably didn't have toilet paper. Come on, somebody. It was a very uncomfortable situation for Paul at this moment when he was writing to the church in Philippi, when he was writing to the Philippians. But despite his circumstances, despite all of those things happening, despite being in a prison and possibly facing death, facing the end of his life, right? No more Facebook statuses, no more tweets, no more, no more hangouts, no more movies. It was over. And, and you know, he was facing death. His life was coming to an end. But at the same time, nonetheless, he's writing to these Philippians. And he says, what? I want to know Christ. He doesn't complain about, oh, I'm in prison. He doesn't complain that, oh, I'm, I'm probably about to die. People are talking about me. People are backstabbing me. People aren't loyal. They're not faithful. Man, all my friends desert me, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, Whatever his circumstances were going on around him, uh, Paul had a lot of things to complain about. You know what I mean? He, he had a lot of things he could have uh, just, you know, whined and just complained about and said, oh, woe is me. I'm going through all of this trouble. I'm going through this whole situation. I'm in prison. Guys, pray for me. I'm so holy. I'm so spiritual. I'm in prison for Jesus, and it's just terrible, but oh, but I'm holding on. He could have said a bunch of stuff, right? Paul could have said, but what did he do? What does he choose to do? What is on his mind despite being in prison? What is on Paul's mind? What is his motivation? What is the fire inside of him? What is the thing he daydreams about? What is he thinking about while he's in prison? How bad, how bad his situation is? How much despair he's in? The possibility of death in, in, in a few years? No. What is he thinking about? He's thinking to himself as he's sitting in that, in, in that prison cell, I want to know Christ. How can I know Christ more? I want to know Christ in a deeper way. I want to know his power the power of his resurrection. I want to see more of God move in, in, in me and through me and the people around me. I want to know Christ. This was Paul's desire despite mounting tension, despite all kinds of crazy circumstances. He was about to die. He was facing death. He was being put through that process where they were kind of, again, you know, just 
uh, sifting through whether, what they should do with Paul being a believer. Again, because the, the Roman government was like, no, you can't preach. You can't do this. We're going to have to, you know, uh, look at your case. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an expert on what exactly went down. But basically, that was what, ha- what was happening in this moment, in this chapter as he was writing. He was in prison. He was going to face death in Rome. And he nonetheless says, I want to know Christ. That was his goal. That's his ambition. That's what he wants, right? Did I make that clear? He wants to know Christ. He wants to know the power of his resurrection. All of these different things, right? And he goes on to list some other stuff that, again, he, he's desiring, he longs for. It's all Christ-centered. But then in verse 12, we see that uh, Paul says something else along with that. He says, not that I have already obtained all this, right? I'll read, it, uh, I'll read verse 12 there. It says, not that, okay, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. Despite wanting to know Christ and, you know, him pursuing the Lord, him wanting God, you know, at this point in Paul's life, he'd preached the gospel to many nations, many people. He'd, he'd been overseas. He's, he's seen miracles. He's seen signs. He'd seen wonders. And after all those different events in life, again, this, this man, Paul, he was a very seasoned, you know, he, he was, you could say he was like an expert in Christianity. You know what I'm saying? This guy was the man. You know what I mean? He, he knew God. This man knew God. He prayed. He saw miracles, signs, and wonders. We're talking about Paul the Apostle who wrote the Bible and who wrote so many of the letters that we find in the New Testament. Not the whole Bible, but many, many portions of the New Testament were written by this man, Paul. And he's saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know him more. I want to know him in a deeper, more intimate way. But after all that experience, after all the things that he's been through, after all the knowledge he's, 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 he's acquired over the years, after all the studying he's done with the Bible, after all of that, still, Paul says in verse 12, I haven't gotten all of it yet. Paul says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or already arrived at my goal. Remember, what is Paul's goal? What is he desiring? What does he want? He wants to know Christ. He wants to experience God in a, in a powerful way. He wants to know his power and all of these different things about Jesus. But he says, at the same time, I haven't acquired it all. After all my years of being a pastor, after all my years of being an apostle and being over different ministries and, and, and watching churches and planning this church and that church and writing portions of the Bible, I still don't know everything there is to know about God. I still haven't reached my end goal. I still have not acquired all there is to know about Jesus. I haven't reached the end of God. I haven't reached the end of the knowledge of the Lord. I haven't reached the end of who God is. Despite all these different things. I mean, guys, Paul saw, you know, just crazy miracles. Crazy miracles. He saw whole cities riot because the gospel was being preached. This man had been through it all. Yet at the end of his, or towards the end of his life, he's saying to to this church in, in, in in the, the, the church in Philippi, the Philippians, he says to them, guys, even though I want Christ, even though I desire to know God in a deeper and more powerful way, I still, after all these years, have not acquired all of it. I still haven't gotten all of it. I still haven't wrapped my mind around the grace of God, around the power of God. I haven't grasped the, 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 the full revelation of who Jesus is and what made him go to the cross. I still don't know all of it just yet. This is what Paul is saying. Very, you know, a very seasoned man. He's, he knows so much about the Bible. Yet he's saying to himself and to the, the church in, 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 Philippi, in, in the Philippians, he's saying to them, guys, I have not acquired it all. I have not experienced it all. I haven't reached my goal. I, I, there's still so much more 
to know about Christ. There's, there's so much more to know about Jesus. Jesus never gets old. Even though I've been serving God for so many years, it's still not old to me, Paul is saying. It's new. It's fresh. There's more. There's more things I can discover about God and his heart. There's new things about the Lord and his wisdom and his love and his peace and his power that I'm experiencing new levels. The Bible says we go from glory to glory, guys. Christianity never gets old. That's why you have somebody like Paul saying, guys, I haven't even come to the end of this. I'm still discovering who God is because he's that vast, because he's that amazing, because he's that complex. He's so multifaceted. You get blown away one day. Oh, my gosh, God loves me. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. And your mind is just like, you're just like, oh, my gosh, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And then the next day you come back, you pray, you read your Bible. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, but God really loves me. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, Jesus loves me. Jesus. And then it's like the day after that. Then you read, read another verse, and then you, you pray, and then God talks to you. And they're like, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh, God really, really, really loves me. And it's just like, you know, again, guys, it never gets old. There's always something new about God that we can learn, that we can experience. And that's what Paul is saying his goal is. That's what Paul is saying his desire is. I want to know Christ, as we saw in verse 10. Then we see in verse 12, he says, he reminds, he reminds himself, he reminds the church in, in Philippi, he says, guys, but I haven't even already attained all of it. I haven't experienced all of it. I haven't, I haven't reached the end of it. I don't know all of it yet. After, you know, again, X amount of years in ministry, I still don't know all there is to know about God. You know, I'm telling you guys, there's so much to know about the Lord. There's so many things about him that we can learn. It's new every day. And, uh, you know, that's, that's great. You know, maybe some of you, you come to Elevate, you join 101, you want to do ministry, you want to be the pastor. Well, ho hold on, slow down. You haven't reached the end yet. Just because you graduate 201, just because you become a deacon, or just because you, you, you're in 101, you're doing discipleship, doesn't mean now I know everything. Oh, now I'm a, now I'm a disciple. Now I'm a, a 201 leader. Now I got it all together. Now I have it all figured out. Now, now I have everything in grasp. I've reached the end of my goal. I know God now. No, that's not how it works. The Bible says that there's angels in heaven that are looking and gazing upon Jesus. And since eternity passed, they've been looking at Jesus, and they keep crying out, holy, holy, holy. They don't do that because they're like a broken record player. They do that. They keep saying holy because every time they open their eyes at Jesus from eternity past, they get something new about him. They see something new in him. They see something amazing that blows their mind one more time. That's the God we serve, and that's the God Paul serves, and that's the God that Paul is saying, I want to know, but I still haven't acquired all of it yet. I still haven't reached the end of my, my journey yet. I still haven't wrapped my mind around everything of who God is. Now we go to verse 13, and Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself kind of repeating what he said in verse 12. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, everybody say, one thing I do. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. Here Paul is saying, in my pursuit of God, in my pursuit of who he is and knowing Christ, I keep my gaze forward. I keep straining for what's ahead. I keep moving forward. I keep making it my desire to keep moving ahead, not slowing down and not looking what's behind me. Paul is saying, I forget about everything that had happened, everything in the past, everything that's behind me. I'm not even paying attention to it. 
I'm not even thinking about it. It's not even in my head. I'm not thinking about what's behind me, what's in my past, what has happened in my life previously. I'm just going straight forward. I'm just moving ahead. I'm just keep, I'm just, I'm straining toward what is ahead. He says, I'm forgetting what is behind, and I'm straining towards what is ahead. That word straining, it's not a very comfortable word. It's not a very relaxed word. Straining doesn't look like you just sitting down chilling. Straining doesn't look like you just sitting down watching TV or Netflix, okay? Straining means work. Straining means effort. Straining for what is ahead. That means you're, you're sweating. That means you might bleed a couple times. That means you might stumble a couple times. That means you might have to, have to, have to you know, drink some water and get back in the game. It means you're putting yourself to work. You're, you're putting in effort. You're putting in effort and you're putting in work. You're straining. It's effort. It requires energy. It requires you to use your strength. And Paul is saying, this is what I do. I strain for what is ahead of me. I'm not paying attention to what happened yesterday. I'm not paying attention to my past. I'm not paying attention to all the things that might have happened up to this point. I'm just looking forward. I'm just moving forward in my walk with Christ. I'm straining. I'm putting in effort. I'm putting in work to keep moving forward in my relationship with God because I want to know him, because I want to know him, because I desire to know Christ. I want to know his power. I want to know who he is. I want to know his thoughts towards me. I haven't acquired it all. I don't know it all yet. I haven't reached the end of my goal, but what do I do? I forget about what's in the past. I forget about everything that happened and everything that's behind me, and I strain toward what is ahead. Next slide. Verse 14, it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ. He says, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. Paul is saying, I'm moving forward. I'm not letting things slow me down. I'm not letting things hold me up. I'm moving forward in my walk with God. I'm moving forward to know Jesus. I'm moving forward. I'm pressing I'm, I'm putting in work, I'm putting in effort to know Jesus, to know who he is, to know his power, to experience him in my life. I press on towards the goal to win the prize. And in verse 15, it says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. How many of us? According to verse 15, how many of us, guys? It says all of us. Let me ask you one more time. How many of us? One more time, guys. We can do this, okay? How many of us? All of us. All of us. Now, is it just the pastors? Is it just Joby? Is it just Karina? Is it just Stephanie? Is it just, you know, just certain leaders? Is it just the 201ers? Is it just the 101ers? Is it just the people that come up to the altar every now and then because they want to feel spiritual? Is it just the worship team? Is it just certain people that God kind of picks here and there that, oh, you're spiritual, you're religious, okay, you pursue God, you go after God, but everybody else can just sit back and chill. Is that what Paul is saying? No. All of us then, all of us, this is for you. This is for you. God is calling you to what he's saying here in his word. He's saying all of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. Remember, what is Paul talking about? Such a view of things. What does that mean? Another translation says, 
those of you who are mature should take such a mindset, such a perspective, have a certain viewpoint of how things play out, right? Paul is saying, if you are mature, this is how you should view things. What is he talking about? Back to verse 10, knowing Christ. I want to know Christ. I press on. I put in work. I strain for what's ahead of me. The call that God has put on my life, the things that God has told me about, the dreams he's put in my heart, areas in my life that I need to be set free in or I need breakthrough in, I press forward. I put in work. I strain for the goal. I move forward despite whatever hindrances come my way. This is the view that Paul is talking about. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Pressing on toward the goal, moving forward, straining for what's ahead, forgetting about what's happened in the past, forgetting about things that have happened before that are behind you. At this point, Paul has experienced so many things, guys. He's, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, he's been attacked, he's been, you know, people have talked about him, people have gossiped about him, he's been persecuted, all this crazy stuff, guys. Paul, has have, Paul basically has like years behind him of all this kind of crazy stuff that he's been through. People, again, forsaking him, abandoning him. Probably a lot of discouraging things have happened to Paul up to this point. But what does he say? Does he think about those things? Does he think about those times that he fell or those times he made a mistake or those times where people deserted him and treated him wrongly or said something bad about him? Does he think about those things? No, Paul says, I forget about what's in the past and I move forward. Paul doesn't look back. Paul doesn't take a moment of his time. He never stops. Paul is saying, I do not stop in my walk with God to look back at what happened behind me. I never stop to look back at how I used to live, how things used to be, of what I used to go through or where I came from or whatever. I'm not looking back. I'm not turning around looking at where I came from. I'm moving forward. I'm going forward. I keep moving forward in the direction towards the goal, towards Jesus. I'm not looking back for anything. I'm not turning my head. I'm not, I'm not just going to serve God day after day. After, and then one day I just kind of stop moving forward and I just kind of check things out, how they used to be back in, back in the old days before I got saved or whatever. You know, looking back. Paul says, no, I forget about what's behind me. I forget about anything and everything that was back there, and I keep my eyes on Jesus. And he says, if you have that mindset, forgetting about what's behind you and moving forward in Christ, that's a mark of maturity. That's a sign of maturity. The origin of maturity comes from a place of moving forward in Christ. It comes from a place of forgetting about what's in the past. Forgetting about what happened yesterday, what happened last week, what happened last year, what happened 10 years ago. You forget about that. You're not looking back at that. You're moving forward. You're straining towards the goal. You're pressing on. That's, that's what a mature believer looks like. That's what maturity in a disciple looks like. How can you tell a mature disciple from an immature disciple? How can you tell a mature disciple who's strong in the Lord, who's pursuing God, how can you tell that person from an immature believer who just kind of does whatever he wants? How can you tell the difference? Well, according to Paul, according to verse 15, the mature believer 
is not looking back at things that happened in the past. He's not looking behind him. He's moving forward. Whatever happens, whatever comes his way, whatever struggles he goes through, whatever times or trials or tribulations or even temptations hit him, he's going to keep moving forward. Because again, verse 12, he, or yeah, verse 10, because he wants to know Christ. The mature disciple, the mature believer wants to know Christ. And that's what motivates them. And that's what drives them. That's what drives them to keep coming to church. That's what drives them to keep praying, to keep reading their Bible. Oh, my circumstances suck. Oh, my, my parents just got a divorce. Or, oh, well, I just got kicked out of school. Or, oh, you know, whatever crazy thing might happen to you. I don't care because I'm good. I want to know Christ. So I'm going to keep moving forward. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what, my, my, what, my, what situation is going on at home or among my friends or in school. I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on towards the goal. I'm straining for what's ahead because I want to know Christ right? That's the mature believer. That's the mature disciple. That's the disciple that stays around. That's the disciple that serves the Lord until they die. The one who wants to know Christ, who actually wants to know Jesus. If you don't want to know Jesus, then you know what? You're going to backslide in a few months. Come on, somebody. If you don't know, if you don't want to know Christ, you will forsake God at the drop of a hat. Stop playing games, guys. Let's be honest. If somebody came in here with a gun, pointed it at your face, my goodness, we don't even need guns. Man, you just go to school and you're ashamed of Jesus. Guys, I'm telling you, if you don't want to know Christ, you will backslide, you will fall away. But if you love Jesus, if you want to know him, you're going to press on. You're going to keep moving forward. You're not going to look back. You're not going to be checking things out around. You're going to move forward in Christ. You're going to press on towards the goal because you want to know him. Of course, Paul's not done here. He keeps going. In verse 17, verse 17, it says, well, actually, in verse 16, it says, only let us, let us live, verse 16, verse 16, it says, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Paul is saying to the church in, the, in, in Philippians, he's saying, guys, you have to live up to the standard of being a disciple. What does being a Christian mean? What does being a Christian look like? What does serving God mean and look like in your own life? Guys, you have to stand up to the standard. You have to live up to the standard. There is a standard in Christianity. There is a standard as a believer, as a disciple, okay? And you can fall short of that standard. I don't care who you are. I don't care who your father is or who your mom is. I came from a church background, and I was raised among other Christian church kids. And there's so many of them, they're so backslidden, hypocritical, because they think just because their, their father or their dad is a pastor, they can just live however they want. Guys, there is a standard for disciples, for Christians. There is a standard that Jesus holds. And if you do not meet that standard, he will drop you in an instant because you've fallen short. We have to live up to the standard. Are you living up to the standard? Are you living up to the standard of Christ, of Christianity, of what it means to be a disciple? Are you falling short? Do you meet that standard on Monday, on Tuesday, when you're alone by yourself, when you're with your family? Do you meet that standard of what it means to be a disciple? Because if you don't, where do you think you'll go? Where do you think you'll go? This is only let us live up to what we have already obtained. And that's not just for 
just some, some crazy youth who's, 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 you know, shooting up blocks and in a gang or something. But I'm talking to, you know, even leaders. We have to live up to the standard. There is a standard. We're called to be disciples, making disciples, pressing in, moving forward in Christ, interceding, crying out to God. There is a standard, guys. And if we're not meeting the standard, then we're, we're hypocrites. What are we doing? We're not meeting the standard. You know what we're doing? We're looking behind us at other things that are going on, being distracted. Guys, there's a standard, and we have to meet it. It's found in the Bible. It's found in Christ. As a matter of fact, the, the standard is Christ. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. That's Jesus. He's saying, be holy as I'm holy. There you go. There's your standard. Here's your standard. Jesus is your standard. Have you fallen short of that standard? Have you fallen short of Jesus? Well, then repent. Get right with God. Start living like Jesus. Start living up to the standard. Verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Don't be looking at the pop stars. Don't be looking at what culture says you should be. Look at believers. Look at, look at the, the, the deacons and the elders in this church. Look at how they run their families. That's how you want to be, guys. Look to the church. Next slide. Verse 18, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now, when I was reading this, that part in particular really touched me because as Paul is saying that we have to live up to the standard, as he's saying that we have to press forward in Christ, as he's saying that we need to be straining for what's ahead and pressing in toward the goal, as Paul is saying these things, there are people in his mind, I can just picture him as he's writing that, people in his mind that, fall, that fell, that fell off, that backslid. People that he used to pour into, people that he used to pray for, people who he knew, he, he shook hands with, he talked to, he spent time with. There were people that Paul knew that fell away from the Lord. And, and Paul is saying here, guys, I'm, I'm, as often as I have told you before and now tell you again, now with tears, even with tears coming down my face, many of those people who used to live in the church, who used to be pressing forward in Christ, who used to want to know God, now they're, they're enemies of the cross. They're enemies of the cross. Their destiny is now destruction. They used to be in the church. They used to be serving God. They used to be doing great things for the Lord. But now they're made an enemy of Christ, and they're not even serving God, and their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, whatever they desire, whatever they crave, whatever they want, and their glory, what they're proud about, what they show off, it's in their shame and how shameful they live and how shameful they act. Their mind is set on earthly things. There's two mindsets in this chapter that Paul's talking about here. There's one that's set on knowing Christ, and there's another mindset that's set on earthly things. There's a mindset that says, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. I want to personally know him. I want to talk to him. I want to pray to him. I want to know his word. I want to, I want to spend time with him. There's that mindset. And then there's the mindset that's just focused on earthly things. That's just focused on friends. That's just focused on social media or television or just video games or just doing nothing with your life. There's two mindsets. Knowing Christ and having a mind that's just set on what goes on on earth. Your own little whatever you're doing with your life. Two mindsets. Next slide. 
Paul then goes into the next chapter and he concludes what he told the church in, in Philippi. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, these people that Paul is talking to, he's writing to, he cares about them. They mean a lot to him. These people that Paul is writing to, they mean some. Paul cares about these people. He's been praying for them. He's been interceding for them. He talks to God about them. He's pouring into them. He's pouring into their church, into their community, into their leaders. He says, brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. I believe that standing firm, I believe when Paul is saying that, he's saying that as a warning to them. He's warning the church in Philippi. He's saying, guys, stand firm. Stand firm. Keep a mature heart. Want Christ. Desire the Lord. Press on forward in your relationship with God. Because if you don't, and you start setting your mind on earthly things, and you start looking back at what the world has to offer, you're going to fall. You're going to be an enemy of Christ. You're going to be an enemy of the cross. It doesn't matter how good you are right now. It doesn't matter what kind of status you have right now. If you fall away from the Lord and you stop loving him and you stop pursuing him and you stop moving forward in God, you will become an enemy of God. God has enemies. Do we all understand that in this place? God has enemies. And if you're not serving Jesus, if you don't want God, very simple to want something. It's personal. Oh, I don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> well, because, you know, your personality and this, that, and you're this way, and I'm this way. Well, I, I just don't want to hang out with you. I just don't want to be around you. I just don't like you. I just don't want to know more about who you are. I just don't want, you know, whatever. It's, it's like, come on. It's, what, what do we want on the inside of our hearts? Do we want Christ? Do we want Christ? Because if we don't want Christ, if we don't want God, we're going to become an enemy of God. We're going to fall away. Guys, it requires work. It requires effort. It requires you pressing. Why does Paul say, I press forward? I strive for what's ahead. I strive for the goal, to know Jesus, to know God. Because it's hard. Times get tough. Circumstances happen. Tribulation happens. Trials happen. People make fun of us. It's not always cool to be saved, to be a Christian, to love Jesus. It gets hard sometimes. And when it gets hard, you need to press on. You need to push yourself. You need to push yourself to stop sinning. You need to push yourself to stop hanging with the wrong crowd. You need to push yourself to stop masturbating. Hello, somebody. You need to push yourself to stop having low self-esteem. Stop viewing yourself in such a negative way, tearing yourself down. You need to press forward, strain to not just smoke weed and be addicted to whatever comes your way. Being tossed by the sea, by the world, whatever culture throws at you. Guys, it takes effort. The Bible says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I've been serving in Elevate for maybe seven years now. And I can tell you this, the, when I first came to Elevate, the people that were there, it was packed, it was full. There was a lot of youth there, probably over 60, 70 youth. Let me tell you what, only one person is still here to this day. Only one person. You think it's easy to serve God. 
Do you think it's easy to be a servant of the Lord? Do you think it's easy to live up to the standard? Don't get me wrong. Christ makes it easy. The Holy Spirit gives us power to live this out. But if you're not pressing in, if you are not straining for the goal, if you are not putting in effort, putting in work to live for Jesus, then what are you doing? The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why do we need to work out our salvation? Why do we need to work it out with fear and trembling? Well, because if we don't work our salvation out, then we're going to go to hell. We're going to fall away from the Lord. We're going to become susceptible to whatever the devil throws at us, whatever temptations. Guys, sometimes, guys, some of you, all the devil has to do is send a little a girl or a guy your way, and then that's it. You're done. You leave Elevate. You're gone. It's over with. Whatever you have going on here. Oh, the devil knows. The devil knows your number. The devil knows the things that he can get you on. Oh, it's just one friend that has that, you know, just likes to push the limits and smoke and drink and all. The devil knows. Let me just send that person your way. You're about to join 101. You're about to graduate 201, whatever. Oh, let me just do this. Bam, it's over. The devil knows. He knows how to get you. He knows how to tear you down. He knows how to destroy you. And guys, if we're not careful, if we're not straining towards the goal, if we're not pressing forward in our walk with God, moving forward in Christ, let me tell you what, the devil's going to hit us and he's going to hit his heart. If we're not working out our salvation, if we're not standing firm in the Lord, if we're not doing those things, that's going to be no surprise to me if you end up leaving Elevate a month from now. I'm not, guys, I'm not, I would not even be surprised. Don't get me wrong, it's something that shouldn't happen. But I've seen so many youth come and go from this, from this ministry. It's, 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 it's like nothing. Pastors have come and gone. Pastors have gone from, man, it, it, I'm telling you guys, it, it happens. It happens. If we're not careful, if we're not straining for the goal, if we don't want to know Christ. If that's not something that's important, if that's not important to us, guys, then what are you doing here? Do you want to move forward in Christ? Do you want, let me just ask you a very, do you want to know Christ? Do you want to move forward in your walk with God? Do you want to know him? Do you want to move, do you want to be somewhere five years from now in your relationship with Jesus? Is that something that matters to you? Where you are five years from now, ten years from now? Do you still want to be struggling with pornography ten years from now? Honestly, do you still want that? Do you still want to be dealing with anger issues, snapping continually, yelling at people? Do you want to be dealing with that 10 years from now? Is that where you want to be? Cursing, just saying whatever comes to the, the top of your mind, just letting it out of your mouth, just being crazy. Like, do you want that to be who you are for the next five years? Does it matter to you? Does it care? Do you care about that? Are you saying to yourself tonight, I want to know Jesus? I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. I want to press forward. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care what it entails. I don't care what I have to do. All I know is I want Christ. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to keep moving forward. It's easy to, it's easy to come to church and come to an altar call and raise your hand and say, yes, uh, you know, I'm saved or what. But guys, when you leave home, when, when you leave church and you, you're, you're, you go back into your, your normal routine of life, that's where it becomes hard. 
That's where you got to press in. That's where there's, there's the teaching. Guys, that's where you have to strain and you have to work. When you're having bad thoughts and you want to curse and you want to just flip over a table, you got to stop yourself. It requires effort. If you're not willing to put in the effort, then you won't grow in your walk with God. You won't get anywhere in your walk with God. You won't move forward. You won't know Christ. And you're going to fall away. You're going to become an enemy of the cross. I don't, want it. I don't want that to happen to any of you. But I'm telling you guys, we have to evaluate our lives and we have to press forward. Do we want Jesus? Do we want to know him? Or do we just want to do whatever we want to do and have our minds set on earthly things? Oscar, if you could go back to the previous slide. These people who don't want Christ, these people who don't have their minds set on the Lord, these people who aren't moving forward in their walk with God, what is, how does the Bible describe them in verse 18? It says their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. What do they serve? What do they bow down to? What do they worship? They worship their passions. They worship whatever cravings they have, whatever sick, perverted, wicked things they are craving in their heart. They just go with it because they don't care. Because it's their God. And instead of wanting Christ, they want sex. Instead of wanting Christ, they want weed and addictions and, 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 and just having fun and just friends. They want friendships. They want a boyfriend. They want a girlfriend. So they just want that. They don't want Christ. They just want this other thing. Just to have fun and just chill and just... Just be whoever I want to be. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Guys, who do you want to be in this place? Who do you want to be? What person do you want to be? Do you want to know? Does anybody want to know Christ? It's not a complicated question. It's, it's so simple. But I'm telling you guys, if you actually want it, it'll transform your life. It'll be the most radical thing you do. Choosing to want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to know his power. I want to see Jesus move in this city, among the youth, among the high schools. I want to see that happen. And I'm willing to move forward. I'm willing to strain. I'm willing to press in and do whatever it takes to see that happen and come about. Whatever God has in my destiny, whatever plan he has for me, whatever things God has for me, 10 years down the road, guys, I am willing to strain forward, to move forward, to press on. It doesn't matter what it takes because I want God. I want him. I want his plan for my life. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. Is that the mindset that we have? Is that the heart that we have? Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm willing to press on. I'm willing to move forward. Don't be stuck in the same position. Do not be stuck in the same position you're in right now. Don't be stuck. Ten years down the road, doing the same thing, singing the same sad songs. God is calling you to move forward in him. What issues are you dealing with? What struggles do you have? What are you facing in life? What things do you want to overcome? Move forward. Press on. Strain. Sweat. Put in work. Do whatever it takes. Because when you do that, you find Christ. Because when you do that, you, you know him more. You find his heart. You see who he is. Does anybody want to know Christ in this place? If we can all stand. I, 
Let's just bow our heads right now. Holy Spirit, we need you, Lord. God, sometimes it gets tough, Lord, but we know you're worth it. God, we want to know you in this place. We don't want to be stuck, Lord God, doing the same thing. Lord God, we want to move forward in you. We want to strain for what's ahead, Lord God. Whatever dreams you've put in our hearts, God, whatever goals you've set out for us to do. We don't just want to sit back, Lord God, and just chill and just look around, God. Look at what's going on behind us, God. We want to be moving forward in you, Jesus. I just want to invite some of you in this place, just say that to God. Say that to his heart right now. Tell him you're willing to move forward. Tell God right now you don't want to be stuck. Tell him that you don't want to be doing the same thing day after day. Tell him that. Because he needs to hear that from you. This message isn't just for some, again, just some crazy kid who's wiling out just shooting blocks up or whatever. Guys, if, if, if you're, I don't care if you're a Christian. If you say you're a Christian, what is it that God's calling you to do? God's put on your heart to do something. God's called you to save your school. He's called you to preach. He's called you to intercede. He's called you to step out in faith and step out of your comfort zone and bring healing to others. Then press forward for that. Strain for that. Put in work. What are you doing to bring God's reality into your life? What are you doing to pull that closer to you and to your life and into your heart? Stephanie, if you can come to the guitar. I just want you guys to talk to the Holy Spirit on your own right now, just you and him. I know where we have our friends next to us and all that stuff, but guys, if Jesus means anything to you, you'll take this moment seriously, okay? You'll take God seriously because you know what? If you, the moment you leave this place, all of this, all that I just said, it'll go, literally, it'll go out the window. You'll forget the whole message, and it'll be as if you weren't even here today. Guys, you need to pay attention. You need to set your minds on God. You need to make an effort to know Christ. Holy Spirit, show us in this place, God, how can we know you more? What can we do, God, to keep going after you? How can we pursue you, Jesus? How can we seek you? How can we go after you tonight, Lord? I believe God is in this place right now. God doesn't hide. God doesn't hide himself from us. The reason why Paul said, I, I still haven't attained it, is because he's been spending so much time with God. God keeps blowing his mind each and every time. It's not like God was hiding from Paul. And, God, and then Paul was trying to, like, find God and, like, search through the crevices or whatever. And then, then oh, there, there God is or there Jesus is. No. Jesus was fully available to Paul 24-7. But even after all that, Paul was still amazed and saying, man, there's so much more to you, God. Holy Spirit, show us yourself right now. Jesus, come. You want to be a Christian? You want to be a disciple? You want to make an impact on your school? Guys, if you, if you, if you really love Jesus, it's going to require effort. So we're going to require you to do some things. It requires action. It requires you pressing on. What do you need to press on from tonight? What do you need to leave behind? What are you holding on to?
Some of your destinies in this place are on the verge of destruction. We had a young man who came to this youth group. He ended up getting shot in his hand. Went to the hospital, came back, was saying, oh my gosh, I love God, I love God, he saved me. And then you know what? He ended up backsliding the next week, guys. Do we fear God in this place? Do we want to go after Jesus? Do we want to know Christ? Is this something that matters to us? What if we get shot tomorrow? What if our destiny ends like that in an instant? Over 200 people lost their lives in Las Vegas this past Sunday, I believe. Like that, their lives just ended. It's over. Guys, are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you present? Do you want to know Jesus? What are you doing about it? Because we're all going to face God one day. We're all going to face him. We're all going to see him, guys. And if we don't do something about it now, our destinies will be affected. Our lives will be affected. Our choices will be affected. I have had friends who used to come to Elevate. We were peers. We were both about the same age. And he ends up having a child out of wedlock. He could have been on fire for Jesus right now. He could have been preaching to you. But he said, no, I just want to do my own thing. And look at how his, his life was affected by his choices. Because he didn't want to serve Christ. Because he didn't want to love Christ. Guys, your choices, what you choose to go after. Guys, if you do not choose to go after God with everything in your heart. If you don't choose to pursue the Lord with everything inside of you. The devil will knock you out like that without a problem. I just want to know who, who actually cares about that in this place. As Stephanie sings this song, I'm going to ask my altar workers, I believe it's Shamal and Monica, if you can come up. We're going to have altar workers here. If you just want to just rededicate your life to the Lord and say, man, I'm just tired of pursuing the wrong things. I just, I just need help. I, I'm, I, I, don't, I want to pursue God. I want to know Christ. If that's your heart and you want to know Jesus in this place, I invite you, come to Monica, come to Shamal, guys with guys, girls with girls. And for everybody else, if you just want to come up to the altar and just cry out to God and say, Lord, I want you. Lord, I don't care what it takes. I'm pressing forward. I'm moving forward in my relationship with you, Jesus. No matter how hard it gets, if that's you, I want to invite you, come up to these altars. Do business with God. Talk to the Lord. Deal with whatever it is you need to deal with up here. If it's sin, if it's temptation, if it's disobedience, if it's lack of, of, of if, if, if you're just lazy and you're lukewarm and you just don't even have a passion for God anymore, but you want to, then come up to these altars. Cry out to God. Now is the time to move forward. Now is the time to move forward. I don't care if nobody cares in this place. Somebody does. Guys, if you want to know Christ, if you want to move forward, come up to these altars. If you want to move forward in Christ, Come up to these altars and go after God. I invite you. I'm running to you, oh God. 
Lord, we run to you tonight. We run to you tonight, God. You are worthy enough for us to run to you, God. We're not going to sit back and not do anything. We're going to pursue you. We're going to run after you, Jesus, day after day, God. No matter how hard it gets, we're going to run after you, Jesus. We're going to press forward. We are going to press forward, God. It doesn't matter if everybody leaves, God. It doesn't matter if everybody turns their back on you. We will press on, Lord. I'm running to you, oh God. I'm running to you.